You ever been frustrated with something? <laughs> That's the biggest amen I've heard today. Uh, no. I, th- I mean, there's a lot of things that are frustrating, you know, uh, seem hopeless. Gas at the pump right now. Uh, I mean, if, if you want to get like, a, a, like an online people to like or comment, post something about gas prices. I mean, that's, I think it's everywhere. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, often I'm working on, especially an old car, and it's like you fix one thing and another thing breaks. Anyone? I, I, yeah, <laughs> my mechanic friends and those with motorcycles are saying that. Or, you know, you, you, you work hard and other people get promoted. Sports, like you work really hard. The thing I love about wrestling, it's, it's, I mean, I love all sports, but I, especially because I've coached a lot more wrestling, is sometimes you work really hard and you fail anyway. Uh, and that's kind of how life is sometimes. So, you know, it's like, you know, people are like, you work hard, you win. Yeah, but then sometimes you still lose. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, that are frustrating, right? And, and I think most of us can relate to that. Today we're going to talk about a story about a guy who must have been a little bit frustrated. And, and so we're, we're, in a, we're going through, uh, there's seven big signs in, in the book of John. And again, I love the Gospels, and I, I spent a lot of time in the Gospels but especially as, we, as we're approaching Easter. And again, you, Matthew, you know, you know, I love Matthew because it's all these fulfillments of you know, the Hebrew Bible prophecies and things and real connections. Love that. I love Mark because he's like ADD gospel. He's just on it like this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Uh, then uh, Luke, I love, which some of you know, and there's, there's another church nearby. I'm not trying to get you to go there, but they're doing Luke. And, you know, I'm just saying somebody sent me a picture of the sign that they were doing Luke, because I occasionally talk about the gospel. I, I love the gospel of Luke for a lot of reasons, uh, and I love, he's like a, he was a doctor, so he kind of researched things. I like research, you know, I, I like, if you ever, like, I have like footnotes and stuff in my sermons sometimes from things. I'm like, well, if I ever want to trace that back to know where I got that and what resource, and, uh, and some of you know I love to write papers. Um, I lost most of you right there. But anyway, John is, you know, one of these kids is doing his own thing, and, uh, but I, I love his things that he's doing. And so we're going through these, these signs that we're finding in the book of John. Now, I, I know we just finished the Matthew challenge where we, we challenge you to read, you know, through, through Matthew. But hey, read through John as we, as we lead up to, to, um, to Easter. Because one, you'll, you'll know what I'm preaching on, so you'll be ready for me with all those. And you can shoot me questions at the beginning of the week. I'll, make, I'll work them in the sermon <laughs> or something, maybe. Uh, but anyway, Matt, we are in, it's almost in Matthew. John chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 1, says this. It says, After, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Um, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And so this is the holy days. Everyone's kind of heading into town for that. Now, if you ever travel during the holidays, right, everyone like, goes home for holidays. Very, very rarely do people actually go for home for homecoming. Maybe there was a time when people went home for homecoming. We've tried to do our class reunion on homecoming, like people come home. Nobody comes home. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think like, Thanksgiving, everyone's traveling, Christmas, it's, it's a big holiday, and so people are coming into town, uh, maybe Easter, <laughs> big anticipation of it, uh, and then they're coming into a place called Bethesda. Now, we're not talking Northwest D.C., because some of you thought that immediately, didn't you? Uh, because, you know, we, we name, in America, we name a lot of towns, you know, you, you, after, like, biblical cities and things, and so we get Bethesda, uh, you know, and it, the, the meaning of the word Bethesda is this house of mercy or house of grace. You know, I'm, I'm that guy, I love the etymology of everything, 
uh, anyone got a couple etymology guys? It's uh, you know, it's like there's something and gal, but <laughs> I meant guys is an inclusive term. But you know, I I, lo I love like word origins and things and where things come from. And, and so, if you want to break that down later and talk about it, uh, and I, I kind of wonder, you know, do people think about you know Bethesda? You know what Dover means? I don't either. Uh, well. <laughs> You were like all excited for a second. Wyoming, they just stole the name of this town from the Wyoming Valley of Pennsylvania. But we were before the state. It's just so, you know, Wyoming, Delaware was before Wyoming State. Who knew that? Two, three. No, you were just putting your arm around your wife. <laughs> he doesn't know anything. Schultz, I know nothing. Um, it says they're hanging out by the sheep gate. Now, this is, I... I, I love, I love archaeology. I love science. Most, you know, I was a chemistry major in college, um, and I had an archaeology course, which I, which I loved. And, you know, it's interesting because some people thought some of the, the elements of the story and details were made up because they couldn't find it. And then, like, they, they dug it up, and they're like, oh, guess it all did exist. And a lot of times, it's funny because if, and we could go through different sections of the Bible, people often challenge its veracity, its, its truth claims. And it's like, oh, well, this isn't how it was. And then guess what? We dig it up, and we're like, oh, guess it was how it was. And, and so John is writing with some details that we can confirm. In fact, I would love to go to Israel someday. You can actually go to this place they were. I mean, literally be like, this is the steps Jesus went down. Anyone ever go to Israel? I'm so jealous. <laughs> uh, now I'm coveting your trip. No, no, we, we, we should go sometime. I guess when there's no COVID. I don't know. Will, will there ever be a time without COVID now? I, I think it ended last week because you know, I, I was traveling this week. And I, like, I, you know, it's so confusing. You're like, masks, no mask. And it was like there were no masks. And then it was like this one restaurant had the sign posted. And you're not sure. Is it just the sign they never took down or that they want you to wear a mask? Anyone? Any, no one's ever. Con okay. <laughs> I just walk into Wawa anyway, and sorry, because <laughs> um, the Wawa still had to sign up for a while. Anyway, uh, I don't want to get into politics, because I want to get onto Jesus. <laughs> it says there's these five porches, some translations say things like porticos, kind of covered walkway, uh, kind of with columns and everything, and there's crowds of sick people, um, and, and you kind of picture, maybe there's more sick people than normal because it's a holiday. You know, I don't know if the sick people travel into town. Uh, I guess the guy who couldn't walk would have to have his friends and kind of bring him. There's all these details. It, 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 it's kind of like, it's pointing down where it is. It says, now, anyone here reading a physical Bible? Be honest. Anyone? Okay. Like, did you, did you notice something if you read along in the physical Bible? Or just, you just trusted my screens? You're like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't trust Jeff, right? <laughs> I've been trusting him all this time. Uh, this is just is one of those kind of, this is not the main point of the sermon, but, but I think there's a lot of misunderstanding sometimes about the Bible. I have a friend, and I'm sorry, Dana, we're going we're to knock a little on the King James here. I have a friend who is King James only, and we used to cut trees together and stuff. We'd cut giant, giant trees, and we'd load up this truck with all this wood, and we'd drive around and have theological discussions about <laughs> the, you know, King James versus other translations. Because I'm sure most people, when they saw us, they're like, I bet those guys are discussing those things. Uh, now, <laughs> and this is one of the things, and again, I'm not anti-King James. Sometimes I think, like, thou shalt not kill sounds a lot better than do not murder. I mean, you kind of get the point. Uh, uh, but, but you can misinterpret it, too, because someone's like, someone was surprised I hunt. They're like, well, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. I'm like, well, not deer. <laughs> that, that was, you know, do not murder, which, uh, you know, anyway, um, some of you know, I, I like, I love God's, oh man, I was driving through Pennsylvania yesterday, there's all these like deer in the field, oh, all the snow, I was just like, I gotta bring them inside where it's warm, gotta bring, 
but I can't do that right now in Pennsylvania. Um, but there, there's, there's a verse in there, some of you will have, about angels stirring up the water. That, see, that wasn't, and this, can I give you a short thing? Because I hear sometimes, I heard this pastor talk about it this week, and he was using the wrong names of the text, which drove me nuts. Uh, <laughs> he was referring to a Hebrew manuscript instead of a Greek one. Anyway, I know most of you are like, that drives you nuts too, right? Anyway, but basically, it was kind of, we think it was probably a side margin. Scribe adds this verse, and that it gets kind of pulled into the King James, but it, it wasn't really original part of the text, but it was to kind of explain the angel stirring up the water thing, which will make sense when we get to verse 7 why the guy thinks something about the water, but we, we don't think it was originally in there. Uh, it get, kind of gets added for clarity. It doesn't change the meaning of things. It's just sort of, a, I think it's an editorial comment that gets added later. Uh, no big theological thing, just so you know, so you're aware. Uh, if someone says, hey, you know, the, the, the modern versions pull out verses, there's a reason, because the King James actually added them, and I could talk to you all about Erasmus's text and things, which I know none of you want to hear right now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and so basically it was kind of this, they thought, okay, well maybe if angels kind of, uh, you know, troubled the water, that sounds very King James, right? <laughs> you know, the, the water we kind of, is that what they use in King James? Uh, Dana's my resident King James expert, and she even reads New King James, but I still make her the, uh, uh, the expert on all King James things. But, you know, uh, sort of like uh, sort of this urban legend, uh, you know, anyone have, like, urban, anyone ever, you know, urban legends? There's, I was, like, trying to look up some new ones. I, like, look up Wikipedia. There's a list of them. There's a lot of urban legends out there. But it's kind of something where you believe that, you know, maybe it's not true. Like, Abraham Lincoln said you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Because it's not really true. Something, you know, someone might believe it. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, you know, or, you know, Bigfoot or Chupacabras. <laughs> Now, you can't prove there's no Bigfoot, but you, you, know, you can't prove it. You can't prove there's no chupacabra. Some may, do you believe in chupacabras? Some of you are like, I don't even know what the chupacabra is. You're thinking it's a new thing at Taco Bell. It is not. <laughs> anyway, you can look that up later. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of, they kind of thought, okay, well, you know, um, you know, that maybe I can kind of get, it's just, you know, one of the men lying there have been sick for 38 years. They're thinking, okay, well, maybe, you know, I can get healed by this or something. And then uh, he's there for, again, 38 years. Think about that. Some of you are not 38 years old. 38 years is a long time. I mean, we were talking this morning because, man, with the ice and the snow and different things, I wake up and I'm like, man, my knees hurt. You know, anyone else? I was like, my shins hurt on the way to I'm like, I don't even remember hurting my shin, but apparently I did at some point. My shins hurt this morning. Uh, all kinds of things. I love the ice and cold. Not, <laughs> I, I love ice and cold, but it's like the, the switch that gets, gets me. So 38 years, he's dealing with something. Uh, you know, and when Jesus saw him, it says this verse 6, when Jesus saw him, he knew he'd been ill for very long. He'd asked a very long time, and he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, I've talked about this question at length periodically because I, I think it's such a fascinating question. Do you want to get well? And I, I remember the first time I read this, I thought, I'll be honest, I was like, geez, that's kind of a, you know, a strange question to ask somebody like is that like did that not get translated right did it really mean you know are you ready to get well like right now or you know you're thinking something and it's kind of a, a strange question to ask them you know it'd be like you know you walk up to someone in a wheelchair and you'd be like would you like to learn to run well, well yeah I, I would much prefer that than this right <laughs> like you know I, we like mobility uh you know but but sometimes you know honestly you know change is scary for people. 
And, and so and sometimes you kind of get used to kind of where they are. And, uh, and here's the thing. A lot of us in life, you have struggles and problems and things that hit you, right? But you have to be careful that those problems and struggles don't become your identity because then we get happy being there. We're, we're fine being there. We're, we're fine in the pain. And so, uh, you know, the, 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 the hurts, the, um, hurts can become stumbling blocks or they become the stepping stones. They things that can trip us and, and kind of keep us broken and hurting. Or they can be things that, that God uses to bring us to a different place. And often we, our identity becomes in our hurt and our pain. And we can't get past it. And if Jesus were honestly to come up to you and say, do you want to get well? Some of us would say, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, and so it's, verse 7 says, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And this is kind of makes sense of the thing, when the waters bubble up. There's actually, they think, natural springs that kind of, so this kind of, this, this urban legend becomes, you know, hey, if you get in there first, uh, you know, that, that then you get healed. Now, I don't know why that, like, did anyone ever actually get healed? I'm guessing the people who were least injured got in first. So maybe they're like, oh yeah, my arthritis feels better. Sorry for the guy who can't walk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for the, you know, the guy who gets in second and, you know, he has a major injury because then he just drowns. But <laughs> am I the only one who thinks these things? Okay. Uh, some of y'all don't think enough about it. Anyway, <laughs> you know, he, has, he has no one to help him. You know, he, he doesn't have, <laughs> and the funny thing is, you know, he doesn't have a clue because he's, he's, he's standing next, he's, well, he's not standing, he's laying next to the guy who can actually help him, and he's telling him about his problems because he's got nobody to help him. Literally, the, the guy who can help you. And I always think of Jesus as like undercover boss. You ever watch that show? I love that show. I don't know how it still goes on because if you watch the show, basically someone who like owns a big corporation goes to work in that corporation is like just a regular person. And it always like, it's always like these great stories. Like the person's like, well, I'd love to tell the, the CEO this, this would really work. And then they come out and there's like better things. But there's always like the one guy too who's like a bad attitude. And told, anyway, uh, but you know, this is undercover boss, the God of the universe wrapped in flesh sitting there. And the guy's like, I have no one to help me and I can't get well. Uh, and so, you know, it's just kind of funny. And so the man's probably frustrated. He's probably given up. Uh, he, you know, he, and a lot of times, you know, maybe he gave up on himself. Um, maybe, you know, some of us have given up on ourselves, you know. Uh, and I, I think sometimes, again, I, I make a lot of analogies between sports and faith because I like sports. I don't like to actually watch sports. I'm, Sunday afternoon, I'm like, turn on a good movie, you know, before I fall asleep. You know, my wife's always like, turn on football. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's an odd, most people I know are the opposite, but anyway. But I, I love playing sports, I love coaching sports. And I, 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 I spent a lot of time coaching wrestling, and because uh, it was one of those sports that I could, I really coached really since I was in college. And you could always go back and help and coach and kind of pass on to the next generation. And it was easy to kind of uh, volunteer a day or two a week or, you know, periodically, you know, versus football coaching, you gotta be there all the time. And so I've always loved coaching wrestling. I remember I was coaching this one kid and he was terrible. I mean, honestly, I, I didn't know how he couldn't win a match. And I hope he's not listening to this because we're still friends. But <laughs> he just never won a match, it was horrible. And really, the, the, he had just kind of given up on himself. He just got it in his head that he could not win a match. And you know what? He never won a match. And then one day, something flipped. I'd been investing in him, wrestling with him every week. You know, and then something flipped, and he just finally decided, I can do it. 
And guess what? He, like, pinned the dude. And then, like, next thing you know, he's going through, like, you know, the state qualifiers and everything. And I was like, it was, like, amazing. Because, you know, finally he hadn't given up on himself. And a lot of times in our hurt and our pain, we give up. But, but God still has plans for us. God still has purpose for us. And God still wants to do things through us. And, and so he's sitting there. No one can help me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, <laughs> I, I kind of wonder, I always wonder, like, when Jesus says that, do you have to stand first and then your legs start to heal? Or do you like, do you feel them start to heal and then you stand up? I don't, I don't know. And there's nothing in the text that kind of tells us that, but, but I'm kind of picturing, you know, what, what is this like? And it, it's sort of this moment, uh, you know, Jesus comes and helps this guy. And I like the fact that we don't know anything and the guy's kind of clueless, right? Because Jesus doesn't come alongside us and help us because we have all our theology worked out. He doesn't, you know, come along and help us because we only listen to Hillsong or Elevation. <laughs> you know, he doesn't, don't even have any real indication that this guy has faith, right? He's just there. Jesus comes along. He helps him. It says this in verse 9. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. <laughs> but this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. Now, I swear, sometimes I think Jesus heals just on the Sabbath, or maybe we just, because it's like, hey, can, can I tick somebody off who's religious? Jesus is like, oh, check, we can do that. We're going to do this miracle. So the Jewish leaders, they said to the man who was cured, you can't work, work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Now, Sabbath, again, gets mentioned a lot. There's all kinds of Sabbath laws. Anybody remember blue laws? Was it called like, yeah, like, some of you are old enough. Like, there were things you used to not be able to do on Sunday, even in Delaware. Like, I, I remember, you know, certain businesses weren't open. I told you about my one friend who was, like, complained, because I don't know if Delaware sells alcohol now on Sundays. We used to not sell alcohol on Sundays. My friend complained because every week he had to drive to Marydale. And I was like, you either have a drinking or a planning problem that you're running out every week and having to drive to Marydale. I'm just saying. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Marydale is, you know, in Mary. <laughs> land uh anyway you know there, there, you know there used to be like restaurants that open and stuff and, and you know and this comes from the the idea of the sabbath and, and basically the sabbath god you know jesus kind of sums it up when he says you know man was not made for the sabbath the sabbath was made for man sabbath is a good thing you know and, and i it's not this big theological thing I, I think sometimes one of those countercultural things we could do though is to take a sabbath but but the sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest and, and it was so people could rest. This is, this is the kind of society where you're working, you know, every day, all day, as long as there's light outside, right? Like, like you're, you're, it's subsistence a lot of times. And so Saturday or for them was this, the Sabbath. It was this break they got. And, and, you know, God said, don't work on the Sabbath. And then people kind of came alongside and went, well, what does that mean? And, and so they kind of determined, God didn't say, you know, thou shalt not carry or your mat um, but, and I picture like a sleeping bag, anyone else, or like a yoga mat, if that's your thing. Uh, you know, he's got this thing, he like, he kind of rolls up. <laughs> and so the Pharisees, uh, you know, the, the religious leaders, they're kind of like the hall monitors, uh, you know, and they kind of stop people. And even today, they, they struggle with things. Like, you know, if you go to the city, you can't push a button if you're Jewish on the Sabbath. And I'm not making fun of Jewish people, love with Jewish people, but, but my, the, the, um, you can't push the button because that kindles a fire and that's like that that's work and so we can't do that and so the elevators stop the sabbath elevator stops either every floor or like every couple floors because then you can walk downstairs uh you know and, or you can add, in some traditions you can ask somebody to push a button sometimes the doorman can tell you there's all these like different rules and they kind of silly i remember this one <laughs> i probably told you about this one this this apartment was on fire they were like debating could we can we call the police 
you know, like a fire department because when we pull, you know, the phone, it runs by electricity, it's that kindling of fire, and basically three apartments burned down while they were trying to debate whether this was okay or not. Um, and then they determined, no, you can't call the fire department unless life is at stake. Now, these are not big theological debates for us, right? Most of us, we, we, again, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, or woman. I'm being gender inclusive there when he said. But this is like a big thing of the day. And so Jesus, when he's healing people, people get upset. Now, the funny thing is, you know, if you see a guy carrying a mat that used to be unable to walk, my first question wouldn't be, why are you carrying that mat? <laughs> right? My, my first question would be like, dude, the, the, you can walk. <laughs> this is new to us. Uh, can you tell me about this? Have you been scamming me for 38 years? Like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, what's going on? I mean, it's be like you see a guy get out of a wheelchair, and the first thing you're like, don't leave that wheelchair here. It's going to crowd the sidewalk. You know, you're like excited the dude can walk. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> so you see this guy carrying that. You should be excited, right? <laughs> Uh, he says, but he uh, replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd. Now, again, Jesus heals the dude. They're more concerned about the mat. I mean, if someone's got the power to heal somebody, my, my first question is not going to be like, but do you work on the Sabbath? Right, I'm a, I'm a little more intrigued the fact that you can tell people who couldn't walk for 38 years. I mean, 38 years is not like I got hurt yesterday and I suddenly got better. 38 years is a lifetime for a lot of people, and we don't know how old he is. He is. We don't know how old this guy is. You know, it basically, he's been there for a long time. Jesus says, "Heal." You know, you walk, <laughs> and then it says Jesus kind of disappeared. You know, and it's like I kind of picture. I know this is bad, but the Simpsons, like the Homer meme, where he like disappears back into. That's kind of how I picture. I picture Jesus healing him. And Kind of like, I know it's it's bad, but you know, the Simpsons are probably the most Christian show on television if you really watch it. Uh, the, I have a I have a book, The Gospel According to the Simpsons. It'll make that argument. Uh, it's by a Jewish author, Mark Pinsky, uh, because everyone goes to church. There's there's different anyway. <laughs> I know some of you got this crinkled nose. I've lost some of you. We will have that discussion after church, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know Jesus kind of disappeared. We'll just leave it at that. Verse fourteen. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, now you, are well, uh, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told Jesus, <laughs> told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. And I, I kind of, that verse, I never, like, did he just narc Jesus out? Like, so he wasn't in trouble? Like, I, I, I still haven't contemplated that. I heard one guy who's talking about it. He's like, he thought this was like a, you know, anti-faith verse. I'm like, oh, maybe he was just telling, we don't know why they, he tells the Jewish leaders, but he kind of tells them maybe to get out of trouble. I don't know, uh, <laughs> you know, but and he says, stop sinning. Now, he doesn't say you were lame because of your sin, because some people take it that way, and it's like, oh, because of your sin, you know, that's why he couldn't walk, yada, yada, yada. Jesus doesn't say that, it's some, but is there something more scary than physical illness? Eventually, you stand before God, and you have to count for your life, right? And he's, he's telling him, hey, repent, clean up your life, because eventually, you know, the, the judge of all the universe, you got to stand before him and give account. And it says the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath laws. Again, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, but he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. Now, 
which people sometimes, they, they read the, the New Testament, they're like, well, Jesus never said he's God. I think sometimes we miss it here. <laughs> you you, you kind of miss the, the way Jesus is saying things. It's sort of this, uh, that it kind of gets shrouded a little bit in, in, in maybe a, a different culture. But the fact that they're trying to kill him for saying he's God means he said something that they interpret him as saying that he's God. And, and so that's what, what Jesus is saying. And they're, they're trying to, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, never tries to kill somebody for saying they're God who's not like, hey, he'd be like, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> uh, but he, you know, he, he says that. And, and ver, and kind of skipping down, verse 21 says, for just as the Father gives life to those who uh, he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In verse 24, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God that God who sent me will have eternal life. They will never be contempt for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. You know, Jesus came so that we can have life. John 3, 16, which is, if you've only been to sporting events, you should know that event, right? Uh, remember, it was like, it used to always like, there always be like one dude in the crowd with John 3, 16. I remember doing a scavenger hunt. Like, I grew up in church, but not the kind of church where you found Jesus, at least I didn't. <laughs> and, and I remember like, uh, we were doing a scavenger hunt, like the youth pastor sent us around town and we had to like find someone who could randomly quote john 3 16 i'm like what are the chances some random person is going to know this verse we found someone at mcdonald's in the line who could do it um i didn't know at that point because you know i was still a little a little bit of a pagan <laughs> but <laughs> i was far from god uh, <laughs> but i'm just glad that god came near to me but uh, john 3 16 says for this is how god loved the world but he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life and 17, which I love too, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And so all the miracles, all the signs are pointing to who he is. Um, you know, uh, here's the thing. I was thinking about this because, again, it's leading into Easter. I like to contemplate and think about Jesus and his ministry and his life. So, you know, here's the thing. What the man was doing wasn't working, right? Like he was laying there for 38 years. Well, he was I don't know if he was laying there, but he was 38 years. He had been able to work. I don't know where he started out. Maybe they, someone moved him there. <laughs> um, but, but often, you know, we live in a way that sometimes it isn't working, right? And, and we, we kind of do things our way, uh, but we're, we're created to live better. We're created to live this better life. Um, and sometimes, it, it, you know, it's natural for us to kind of follow our own inclination and will, but you need to learn to live differently, right? Like, Anyone ever drive a zero-turn mower? I remember the first time I drove a zero-turn mower, it was in a parking lot, and the guy did not, maybe he did, I did not listen. He did not fully explain to me how to stop. Anyway, I was doing about 30 miles an hour in a parking lot, and I was afraid I was going to wreck this mower, and some of you were like, yeah, I, yeah this mower moved, and, uh, <laughs> but I couldn't figure out the, you know, because you feel like you're driving a starship or something, and then for a while, you know, <laughs> periodically, you know, <laughs> when I need the cash, I cut grass, and now I kind of I, I know how to, I, I can't explain, I'm just trying to teach my son how to drive a zero turn, I can't explain to you how to drive a zero turn, but I can drive a zero turn, there's just this, this kind of, this feel for it, but when you first start all trying to, you know, we live our lives, we kind of think what we think is good, we end up in the wrong places. But we have to learn to walk in the spirit, if you will, and learn to, to, to work that zero turn. Um, <laughs> we must retrain the way to, to, to live this right way. Now, 
This week, some of you don't know my dog, Loki. <laughs> He's aptly named. Uh, we don't normally do Star Wars names, but we, we, we chose superhero um, kind of name or anti-hero. <laughs> uh, Loki, I love Loki, but he is a knucklehead. I mean, I, I, I get a lot of lessons from Loki on how not to behave. And <laughs> he doesn't chew things up or anything. He's just a knucklehead. So here's an example. This week, Josh and I are out in the yard with him. And I have to... I, I'm trying to let him off the leash, but we're trying to teach him boundaries because we're afraid he'll run into this tra traffic and everything. So we got him on this, like, lead thing, kind of chain, not chain, but it's like, you know, anyway, cable. There we go. And, and so I, he is fighting and fighting to get this tennis ball, right? Like, it's just out of reach because he's wrapped himself around a pole and all kinds of stuff, too. I mean, it's like I spend more time unhooking that guy when I'm in the yard. Anyone have a dog like that? Any, um, <laughs> yeah, Josh, yes, you have a dog like that. Uh, <laughs> and so we're out there, and we, kinda, we look over, we laugh because he's fighting and fighting to get this tennis ball. But I've given him four, and he's got three, like, right within, like, he could touch them. But he's, he's fighting to get that one, right? But that's sometimes how we are because, you know, God's provided the abundance we need, but we're fighting over something stupid. We're going after something that we, maybe we don't need. But God's given us the abundance. And a lot of times we live that way. We fail to recognize that all that God's given us. And, you know, again, that, that you know, do you want to get well? Um, I'll be honest, my body is broke because I'm old. And my, <laughs> my wallet's broke too. But, you know, <laughs> gas prices... But, you know, some of you know, I've got a variety of injuries and things, and I've torn my bicep off and all kinds of stuff. I'll show you some cool scars. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's cool stuff. But anyway, you know, but I've kind of gotten used to kind of not having my body work, right? And, you know, you just, you learn to adapt and do things a little differently, and, you know, I, I stand different ways, I lift different ways, you know, you, kinda, you just kind of adapt. And a lot of us, we get used to brokenness. We, we get used to living that way, and we kind of don't even, you know, care. It, it, it's kind of like, sometimes if you're, if you're absolutely sick, it's one thing. Now, anybody remember staying home when you're a kid? <laughs> Some of you, it wasn't that long ago. Some of us, you know, I'm just saying the TV was black and white, or the radio you listened to. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, did they have prices right on that? I remember, I remember, like, the first day of being sick was, like, bad, because you're sick. Um, but you remember, like, day two, three? Like, you still got to stay home. You're not, you're not really well enough to go to school, but you're, you, you, but you're well enough to kind of enjoy the fact that you're sitting around eating crackers. My, my, my parents always gave us, like, Coke, and we didn't get a lot of soda, so, like, I mean, it was like I got soda and crackers, and I got to watch The Price is Right. It, and, like, Mikhail's Navy and Colmar. Yes, I mean, you know. Anyway, <laughs> that's, but we kind of, we're, we're, we get content in that. Like, I didn't really want to get better because I didn't want to go to school. I'll be honest. I mean, I, I like school now, but, but then, <laughs> then maybe not as much. Uh, but we get used to sort of the brokenness and not quite wellness. And, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, Jesus says to him, like, roll up your mat. Pick it up. Now, and I, I was thinking about that this, this week. And now, I was at a volleyball tournament this weekend. And, uh, you know, what do you do when you get there? Anyone know? First thing you do? You're like, I don't know. You rush in and you put your jackets and coats on some seats. 
because you got to save them. And it's the same thing with wrestling. It's like they're, they're, they, we don't have a big enough facility to, to house the tournaments a lot of times, so you rush in. Like, we get there as soon as they let us in the door because we need to put our, put our stuff in some seats. we got, we got, to, we got to save our seats. G- guy rolls up his mat because he didn't need his place anymore. You, know, you go to the beach, you roll out your towel because you want, you want to save a spot at the beach. He doesn't, he doesn't need that space anymore. And that's why Jesus says roll up your mat because you don't have to live in brokenness anymore. And a lot of us, it's like we kind of want that safety thing of being broken. We, you know, we, we kind of want this safety thing of being hurt. Now, here, I don't know what your struggle is. Now, some of you I do. I'm, I'm going to name them right now. I'm kidding. <laughs> some of you are nervous for a second. I don't know. But seriously, I, 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 you know, because sometimes we do a good job at hiding this stuff. But I don't know what your struggle is. I don't, I don't know what your pain is. But, but a lot of times, again, we define ourselves by that. We hold on to things with your struggle. We, you know, we struggle with porn and anger, unforgiveness, all kinds of brokenness stuff that we hold on to. Jesus doesn't want you to say that. You know, <laughs> Jesus doesn't want you to hold on to those things. Now, and I was thinking, you know, what are the things that you struggle with that need healing? And what would it look like to live in freedom this week? Some of us, we have, we have trouble imagining walking because we've been laying there so long. But, but God doesn't want to just, you know, love us and leave us. Jesus didn't say, oh man, I feel bad for you and keep walking. That'd be a real short story in the Bible. That'd be like the seventh unsign of Jesus. You know, he just walked by a dude. Uh, you know, but, but Jesus comes, it's, again, one of my favorite verses, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that he may life and have it to the full. Jesus comes that we can have this full life. Another translation says abundant life. It's this new way of life, this new way of living. And when we follow Jesus, he gives us this new life. He fills us with his Holy Spirit, and he gives us all the tools to get up and walk. But sometimes we want to sit there and not walk. But, but again, God has given us this, 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 all the tools to live differently. And you know, here's the thing. I don't know why Jesus picked this guy. Here's what I was thinking this week. Because, like, there's all these porticos. He picks one dude. I don't know if he healed more and we just didn't write them down. <laughs> you know, but like, why this one dude? Anyone else wonder that? Okay, I'm the only guy. I'm the only one contemplating this. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I can answer that. I know I just brought up a question I can't answer. But <laughs> here, the, the religious leaders, I think what's interesting is the religious leaders, either they're so focused on the mat they don't see him, or they're, 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 they don't even recognize him. I don't even know if they like, saw the dude before. You know, like if you've been in the city and you see like, some people, a lot of times, are homeless. You kind of walk right by them or different things. You, and they get to the point you don't even see them. I, and I kind of wonder if it was that. They just kind of like, there's, there's some guy back. They don't even see him. But Jesus sees him in his pain. He sees him in his brokenness. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting because, again, the guy, he's like, hey, I got no one to help me. Now, we, I think one of Americans' favorite verses that's not in the Bible is God helps those who help themselves. Right? I... <laughs> I had, a, I, had a, I had a friend, they thought they were teaching, they, they, they thought cleanliness is next to godliness is in there. I think that's like Ben Franklin. We have all these verses we think are in the Bible, right, that aren't. Um, anyway, I'm glad cleanliness is not next to godliness in the Bible because you, know, you ever see my office, it's a mess. <laughs> I book stacked everywhere. Someone gave me a bookcase and it's been there for two months. I haven't, I haven't put it against the wall to put the books in it. I'm just saying, I'm a little messy, I'm a little busy at times. But here's a 
it's not God helps those who help themselves, but God helps those who can't help themselves. You know, I can't, but he can. I can't fix your brokenness. I can't come and, and, and kind of minister to what you need in that, but he can. And God does, and by his Holy Spirit, he will. You know, Jesus uh, you know, is, as John says, John uh, the Baptist says, you know, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You know, he's the ultimate sacrifice. You know, that, spoiler alert, you know, Jesus, get, you know, he, he dies leading up to Easter. <laughs> you, know, w- you know, we talk about Good Friday and everything. And, uh, you know, he, he makes this ultimate sacrifice so that we can have new life. And then ultimately, you know, he, he gives us new life by that. And, and, you know, Jesus says, I am the gate. You know, he, he's the way to God. He's the way to new life. He's the new way to eternal life. And, and when we accept that, we have this, this, this new way of life, this new way of living in wholeness instead of brokenness if we choose it. You know, as the um, worship team comes back to play, uh, you know, if you want to talk about what it is to have faith, we'd love to talk to you during the week. You can fill out the thing on deepwater.church slash connect, or you can reach out to us. Love to talk to you um, in person uh, or, or reach out online. We've got would love to connect with you. Um, we, this is Communion Sunday for us. Now, um, you know, uh, communion is different in every church you go. Uh, if, if you don't know, go to a different church. You're not sure. Like, I, I've been in churches, I'm like, do I hold? Like, I, you know, you, I'm holding the communion, then I realize everyone else has taken it. And I'm like, oops, awkward. Do I take it now? Uh, you know, different things. Uh, you know, some churches you have to be a member, uh, things like that. So here's the thing. Communion is, it's, it's, it's for anybody who believes. For us, it's not that you're a member. You didn't have to take a special class. You didn't have to. Uh, and so you, we'll hold on to the elements. We'll take it together in a moment. And I want to talk about what communion is. Community, uh, communion <laughs> is in many ways about humility. It's that we can't save ourselves. That we're laying there broken by the pool. We need grace. And we acknowledge that, you know, we all fail, we fall, we mess up. Um, but that's, that's not the reason to celebrate, right? Our brokenness is not the reason to celebrate. The fact that Jesus comes alongside us and gives us grace, that he gives us healing, that's what we celebrate. Um, we have hope. Communion doesn't celebrate our brokenness. Communion celebrates the victory in Jesus. Communion celebrates the forgiveness we have in him despite our failing, the new life we have when we put our faith and our trust in him. Galatians 2.20 says it this way, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, we've been crucified with Christ. And so communion is a time to remember what Christ has done, to look into our hearts and see the things that creep back in. Because you can be a believer, you can repent, go in the right direction, stuff creeps back in, right? Little, little drift, if you will. Uh, uh, we resolve to, to begin to live for Christ in a fresh new way and to proclaim Jesus as Lord of our life, to remember his grace and his forgiveness this Easter season.